Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. It is an honor and a privilege to bring the word to you this morning. And, you know, I really wasn't sure what to bring and I wasn't really sure what God wanted me to do. And it's been a bit of confusion all week, to be honest. And um, when Nick said, let's be vulnerable, I'm like, I'm feeling vulnerable this morning. (laughs) But as I was sitting in my seat in worship, thank you, team. That was beautiful worship. Um, The Lord spoke to me just in my seat right there, and it it undid me. He's so good. God is so good. And his presence is so beautiful, and he undid me because he said to me, Claire, remember? Do you remember the beginning of the year? And I don't know if you guys can remember that back because it's all changed, hasn't it, over the year? But he said, do you remember that I gave you two open visions? Two. Both the same vision. One was here on the Gold Coast, and then I went to Colour, and I was sitting at the furthest back in this huge auditorium, and he wrecked me again because he showed me the same vision. And what he showed me was, he showed me this beautiful path, and and it was like in a, in a forest-type um, setting, and and he was in front of the path, and he gave me no words. He did not speak a word to me. But all I knew was that he was saying, come, get on this path. And as I was sitting there this morning, the Lord said, remember? He said, you know why I gave you that vision? For today. I'm sorry I cry so much. His presence just wrecks me. But he said, I gave you that vision for this day, October 25th. He gave me that at the beginning of the year for this moment because he knew you would be sitting in here. And he said, what was the path about? He said, the path was about the way back. The path back to his presence. The path back to intimacy. The path back to the place where there's oneness restored as it was in the Garden of Eden. And he said to me, you know, I love to hike. And Tennille's my, my hiking buddy. <laughs> and one of the things she knows I hate is high, long grass because I was born in South Africa. And it was ingrained in me that high grass means snakes. So I don't do high grass. And what happens is when the high grass comes up, I can't find the path. And I want the path. I want a clear path to see. Because if you've got a clear path to see, you don't get caught up unaware with wiggly things that come out of the grass. And, and the Lord said to me this morning as I was sitting there, he said, I've taken you down the path of the way back, the path back. And he said, I want you to tell everyone in this room what that path looks like and how to find it. Is that okay? Okay. So he took me on a journey. And I didn't even know I was on the journey because I didn't understand the vision. But anyhow, he took me on a journey. And what he did was he encouraged my heart to pray a really dangerous prayer. Gosh, I hope I have enough time this morning. I've already, look at the time, it's terrible. <laughs> but he took me on this path and, and, he, and he said to me, pray this prayer, Claire. It's Psalm 139, 23, 24. And, he, and it says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. And I didn't know at the time that when you pray a prayer like that, he answers our prayers. Okay, and he does answer your prayer. And you may not think it, and I did not see the answer till probably six months later where I could look back and understand why and how he answered my prayer. And what he did was he took me on a journey. And this journey was overwhelming. 
there were many tears. And what he did, because you see, all of us, we invite Jesus into our life, and it's like a house. Come in, Jesus, come into the lounge room. But we leave the other doors shut, okay? Because one, maybe we haven't cleaned them up. Maybe there's some things in there that Jesus doesn't need to see just yet. And so we only give him part, but when you start to pray a prayer, like find out everything that may be hidden in me, okay? Put me to the test. Who likes tests? I don't. But he listened. Find out if there's any anxious cares. Really? I'm good. No, I'm good. Really? See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on. Okay, so he answered me. And he took me through a lot of tears. Poor David. (laughs) Well, actually, he was on the path with me. Maybe we cried together. (laughs) Praise God, we were in quarantine. We'd just come back from New Zealand. And luckily, none of you got to saw the ugliness of when God opens up some cupboards. And mine was 20 years old. 20 years old. And what had happened is I had got very, very wounded in church very wounded in church, not a little bit wounded, deeply wounded. But you know what? I'm a good Christian girl. I put it behind me. I'll keep walking. Do you? Okay, but God knew. See, deep, deep, so deep that I had squashed it down for so long that I didn't have to feel it anymore. But what I found, there were some places I would walk into and I did not feel comfortable and I, I just decided I wouldn't go to those places. So there were some places, and, and especially being in leadership, that rooms that I needed to be in, I just sent David. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> and God knew. You see, God knew, okay, that that was sitting in there from 20 years back. And so he started to bring it up. And honestly, it was probably one of the hardest things I've had to face. Because when he opens a wound, he doesn't open it to hurt us. He opens it to heal us. And you see, wounds will not heal unless they're opened. And the gunk that's inside, as David and I say all the time, let the pus out so the wound can heal. Praise God I was in quarantine, not up here. (laughs) He was good to me. But you know what else I realized is that we're in a season of preparation. We really are in preparation time. And God wants to use your life and mine. And these things that I had been holding on to were going to trip me up for the destiny he was calling me into. See, I could not continue to keep ministering from here without dealing with this. And I just felt today that many of you are saying, God, we want a new thing. God, we want to see church looks different. We want to do this. And just like Pastor Byron said last week, it starts in here. We are the change, church. Okay, It's not what we do on the stage. It's not how we run our services. We are the change. And if you will be brave enough to do what I did and say, God, would you test me? Would you try me? Would you search my heart? Would you see, is there any backpack that Mark was talking about that I've been carrying? Would you, like, lift that off me? Because we're really good at shoving it down or shoving it in a cupboard, aren't we? Well, God didn't want that for me, and he doesn't want it for you. And so he took me on a journey, and um, he reminded me that I am part of the bride of Christ and that he delights in me, and part of what he brings to us is restoration, and that word restoration, the Greek, it's actually a really, it's an amazing word, actually. It's called opokastasis. And what it means is a restoration of creation to the state before the fall. There's my pathway. See, God wanted to restore intimate relationship like in Eden, where he talked and walked with them daily. 
don't believe he doesn't want to do that for you. He wants you to have that. He wanted me to have that. And I had that in so many ways, but there were some places that I didn't have it. And he wanted to restore that place. And it says this word even means David's covenant being restored. And Luke, I love Luke. He's a doctor. He always writes in doctor terms. He uses the same word, but in his, it means restoration of perfect health, body, soul, and spirit. Okay, so body, I'm doing okay. Okay, health was all good. Soul, mm -mm, not so great. I look good on the outside. But God said, I want to clean up the inside of the cup. We are in preparation season. COVID has exposed some stuff. You know, Hebrews 12, 26 to 27 talks about the shaking. God is in the business of restoring all things back to himself. The restoration of all things has begun. And so he says in the word in Acts, it says that, that you know, there's going to be a shaking. There's going to be things changing. And then in Hebrews, he tells us that there's going to be those things that can be shaken will be shaken. And those things that can't be shaken will be unshakable. Well, I realized this area was pretty shaken. This area was pretty weak. I needed to, in order to fulfill my destiny, deal with this. Otherwise, I couldn't. And I don't know about you, but this, this season, I've decided I'm not doing things the same. I'm going to do things differently. I'm, I'm wearing different clothes. Did you notice that? <laughs> Thought I'd dress up today. <laughs> but, you know, church... The, start, the change is us, okay? And it first starts, that first path on that, pa on that path is to say, God, would you come in and search me? Is there anything hidden that I'm carrying? And that preparation is that we are getting ready for something. Can you feel that? There's something coming. Can you feel like it's not just church as normal, it's preparation of something coming. And so he is preparing his bride because he calls you his delight and his bride. And so as the girls and brave will all know, I have not been able to get out of this, this scripture in Revelations 19.7. And this is what it says. It is amazing. It says, let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory for the wedding celebration of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, shining bright and clear has been given her to wear, and the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of his holy believers. See, I haven't been able to get, let go of those words, and the bride has made herself ready. So even though we might have things hidden, we have actually a part to play in actually getting rid of some of the stuff. Number one, pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. Be dangerous. Have some courage. I don't want to keep going the same way I did six months ago. Do you? I don't want to carry my old stuff into the new. And to be honest, I'm just going to give you a disclosure, okay? God won't let you. If you've said yes to God, he actually won't let you. But you might find yourself where I found myself, in ugly tears, in this place of really do I have to face that? And you know the worst thing? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't private. It was private, but it wasn't because God told me that the very place where I had been hurt was the place I was going to be healed. So I had to... I actually had to face the, the hurt that I'd had from, from authority, from pastors and that kind of place. I had to face it in front of pastors, poor Pastor Anne and Byron. <laughs> they saw the ugly tears. <laughs> but God is good. He is faithful. You see, that fine linen, he's calling us to a wedding, a wedding feast. And I don't know about wedding. When I go to a wedding, I say, David, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? It's so important to us to wear the right thing. But what about this wedding feast? Fine linen for you to wear. 
And that fine linen is part of this path. That fine linen was bought with a price. And the price is the precious blood of Jesus. So whatever we've hidden, whatever pain, whatever place that God, we haven't allowed him in, he wants to wash that with the precious blood of Jesus so you can now wear the fine linen and be called the righteousness of Christ. So there's hope in that. Isn't that great? So as God took me on this path, he led me to Psalm 51. And I didn't know I was on the path, but I'm, I was. It was so good. I was on the path. And he reminded me about King David. And the story is about King David and Bathsheba and how David finds himself. Actually, I'm going to read this a little bit because I think this is really important. It comes from 2 Samuel 11. It's the background to Psalm 51. And it says, in the spring, when kings go to war, David sent Joab. But David remained in Jerusalem. Just think about that. It was, a, it was in the spring. It was a season of war. And David got up from his bed and walked around the roof. He saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And you know what David did? He calls for this woman. He commits adultery with a married woman. But she falls pregnant, and that's not the end of it. Now he's got to cover up his sin. David displeased God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to displease God. I want to please him. And so God in his kindness doesn't leave David there. You know what? He sends a prophet. <laughs> this is a season for prophets and prophetic words. And this prophet comes and he exposes David's sin publicly. He actually says to him, because you sinned in private, I am going to... The question to you is, why did David stay home in battle, in a season of war? He should have been on the battlefield, and if he had, he would have kept out of mischief, I think. Okay, but I wonder, did he get battle-weary? Did he get battle-weary? Some of you might be saying, I'm battle-weary, okay? And it is such a dangerous place to take yourself out of where God wants you when you are battle-weary because what happened was David became vulnerable to, like me, a pain inside of his heart. Do you know that David was illegitimate? That he was illegitimate and he probably knew what it was to feel on the altar and not feel connected. When Samuel came to anoint him, he wasn't with his family. He was sent out in the field it's a problem we don't want to talk about. So David would have had that, sin, that, that feeling of, of, I don't belong. I don't fit. And I don't know whether David spent all his life thinking, I'm going to be, that's not going to be a pain anymore in my life because I'm going to be somebody. When David probably thought, you know what, when I get to this level, I'm going to be okay because that pain of said that I wasn't enough. As a king, I surely am enough. But really? God knew, you see, what he was carrying in his heart. And I can't help but think when a child gets hurt, what happens? They look for comfort. What happens when we get pain, when we get hurt? We look for comfort. And what did David do? You see, I think that old pain of rejection, that place of was, I need someone to love me. He went looking for love in all the wrong places. A woman, did he really need any more, more wives? We all know he had a whole heap. <laughs> But you know what? Can I tell you what God did for me? He is so kind. In his kindness, he exposes stuff in our life if we give him permission. And I gave him permission, and you know what? <laughs> Poor David, there was a consequence to his sin. You see Bathsheba's baby that she's carrying gets sick, and David is crushed by his own guilt. He knows that this is, he, this is his consequence for what he did, and he realizes not just that he's done a wrong thing in sinning, he's actually wandered far off the path. 
And so his failure becomes public, and I don't know if you've ever experienced failure. I have, and I know how much that hurts. But it's not the end, church, and that's good news. You see, Winston Churchill, and I love Winston Churchill, he said success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts. So if you're still in church after COVID, give yourself a, yep, we've got courage to continue. Because you know what? God has been doing some good things and some hard things for all of us. So what does David do? He hits his knees. I tell you, if you have issues in your life, that's, that's the pathway through. Prayer. Hit your knees. Hit your knees. It's a prayer of repentance, and we know what repentance is. We're walking one way. Repentance is we stop, and we actually turn around, and we walk the other way. That's exactly what David did. He comes to Psalm 51, and he pens the most beautiful prayer that I started to pray early in this year. In quarantine, I started to pray his prayer, and I pray today as I read it that this will be your prayer. This is what he says. God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I can't get away from the sting of my sin. Sin stings. It does. Against you and above all, I have sinned. Lord, I have been a sinner from birth. So he's not even just repenting because of this moment. He's realizing when he was born, he was a sinner. And then he goes further. He says, from the moment my mother conceived me, I know that you delight to set truth in my spirit. So come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. And he cries out, purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I'm pure in heart. Satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. The places within you you have crushed will rejoice in your healing touch. Create in me a new, a clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. May you never take your sacred spirit. Let my passion for life be restored. You know, when we're far from God, we have no joy. Have you noticed that? Or the joy is very short-lived. And he says... Let my passion for life be restored. Taste and joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to your willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. And then I can show to other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. And he goes on and he talks about the performance. He says, I know you don't want performance. You want me to bring my broken and shattered heart to you. And so... On this pathway, God said to me, Claire, there are three things that we need to do to find our path back. First one, confession. I know it's old-fashioned, and we look at the Roman Catholic Church, and we go, oh, they do confession. It's powerful. I'm just telling you. It was my moment when I had to confess, and honestly, poor Pastor Anne. <laughs> I confessed everything. <laughs> every thought, every fear, everything, every ugliness of what I had seen and what I had felt. I confessed a whole lot and she sat so graciously while I sobbed and I cried and I just let it all out. And you know what? The verse in 1 John 1 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I encourage you in this season, if you're going to pray that prayer, would you memorize this? Okay, because sometimes when we go to say, God, I'm sorry, we don't feel sorry. Or we don't feel like he's forgiven us because we carry a lot of guilt and shame with our sin. But when you go to him and confess, 
He promises that he will forgive. And it's a really powerful thing. And when David bowed his knee, what he did was he accessed the mercies of God, which are new every morning. Aren't you grateful for that? That's such good news. And I love that that little prayer of repentance starts with, I'm sorry, God. You see, I couldn't complain about all the things that were done to me because if I was going to justify it, I had every right to be hurt and wounded because what was done was wrong. But, okay, in me justifying that and judging that, I actually began to sin because I held offense in my heart. I started, because I knew I did in a sense, because when you go somewhere and you react to something, see, you don't react when you're healed. It, it just prods the wound. And so you start to get reaction, reactive to certain places, and then it's all their fault. They're not doing everything right. And God said, uh-uh, down here, You've got something that's blocking the freeness of my spirit in your life. And so the second thing he said to me is, a cleanup is required. <laughs> and if you're a nurse, you probably know what this looks like. When you open a wound, ugh, and you've got to get the saline and clean it up. And I love what David said. David said, purify my conscience. Purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. What did he identify with? Do you remember David's sermon on the first day we started? He, had, he talked about the leper and they'd ring a bell and the leper would say, unclean. They'd say, unclean, unclean. And everyone knew they had to get away from him. They weren't allowed to touch him. This man lived in isolation. David realized, that's exactly what I am. I'm living in isolation from the one who loves me because I have sin that needs a clean up. And so he cries out, wash me in your love until I am pure of heart. And I can't tell you how many times I have cried that prayer. Wash me in your love until I'm pure in heart, God. You see, the storms and those overwhelming moments, they have a way of removing the dross from our lives. And, you know, an eagle, okay, loves a storm. And I love eagles. And I've watched an eagle see a storm rolling in. They don't turn to run. Do you know what an eagle does? It positions itself, looks at that storm, opens its wings, and it uses the strength of the wind currents to lift it higher. And when you are in a place and God starts to bring up some old wound or old hurt or whatever it is, okay, you're going to feel this overwhelming storm rise up. And in you, you can cry, where are you, God? And he said, just turn and face it. Turn and face it. Okay, I'm going to get you to the other side. There's something on the other side. He wants you to bring you closer. He wants to bring you in a place of oneness with him and deep, intimate relationship where you hear his voice, you feel his love, and it's only in that place. And I just reckon that David realized this rejection, I thought when I was king I was going to be all right. When I had maybe, you know, I don't know how many wives he had, but if I had this many wives, maybe I wouldn't have this great need. You see, David realized that with rejection came an appetite, an appetite for something that just could not be satisfied. And he realizes only in the love of the Father could those hurt places be healed. It was only in that place could that appetite be satisfied. It was only in him. But he'd looked at everything else. And so as we are and as David was, we're all beautifully broken, but we have a God that is a God of restoration. You see, that word when he said wash... That word wash in the Hebrew means kabaz, and it meant actually a washing of clothes. Now, David would have had kingly garments, and he cries, I'm sure they weren't dirty on the outside. 
he cries, wash me, using the Hebrew word kabaz, which actually meant taking everything that he is as his identity and purging it and washing it as you would with bleach in our day. But in his day, he called it hyssop. And he says, purge me with hyssop. And hyssop was used as a cleansing agent for the lepers. And it would wash them and purify them ready for worship. And David uses this word, and I think it's a New King James translation. He says, purge me with hyssop. And that hyssop, you know what's amazing about this herb hyssop? All through the Bible, you'll read it. Do you know in, the, in Egypt when the angel of death was coming and they were told to take the blood of the lamb and place it on the lintel? Guess what they used as a paintbrush? Hyssop. Amazing, hey? So David, no, he knew Jewish history. He knew he needed hyssop that paints blood, blood that washes him all over his priestly gowns, all over his kingly gowns, all over his identity needed to be washed because who he was actually wasn't the real thing. Who he was was a sinner, just no better than a leper. And isn't that the same for you and me? Is that no different? And I, I just love this picture because I think way back there, this is Old Testament, cross hasn't happened, but David is pointing us to the cross. And he's saying, if you would come to the cross, if you would let my blood wash and go to those deep, dark places, if you would open up your cupboards and say, Jesus, come in, do a whole spring clean, get rid of everything that's been holding me back, that blood comes and the shame that's attached to our sin and the bad things we've done starts to wash us and cleanse us and gives us a new slate. You see, I believe today God is wanting to rewrite your script over your life. I don't know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, I don't know what you found yourself in, but maybe you found yourself doing things that you think, I don't know how I got here. Who is this person? And maybe today he's saying, would you do what David did? Would you ask me to purify your conscience, to purge, purge you with that hyssop? his precious blood to wash you and make you new, to give you a new beginning and a new start. That's his, that's his cry to you. And see, David then cries, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Now, when you go back, and Brian Simmons does this beautifully in the Passion Bible, and he goes in there and he says that word create. Do you know where else that word is used? Genesis 1. You see, David knew just to clean up an old thing, uh-uh. Doesn't, doesn't cut it, not in this new season. The bride is making herself ready. White linen she's going to wear is not white linen that's got stains on it. It's pure. And God's calling us to purity. And so David cries, create in me a clean, I need a Genesis moment. I need a whole brand new heart. I need a moment where I'm not the old anymore. I'm a new creation. There is something totally, totally new. I might look the same on the outside, but inside everything has changed. Everything has changed. You see, as he did that, his destiny started to rise. That's when he started to step into his destiny. And you see, when I was going through what I went through, the Lord spoke so clearly to me from Psalm 51. He said, Claire, do you think the pain of your past is stealing the joy of your future? Could it be that the brokenness of David's heart, that rejection, way back before he was ever king, okay, way back, hidden deep, 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 do you think that could have been stealing the joy of his future? And that's why he went looking for other things. You see, in my Bible, and if you look in my Bible in Psalm 51, you will see my cry, March 2020. See, I needed a clean heart too. I needed a new beginning. I needed God to rewrite the script. 
because life happens. Doesn't matter whether you're a pastor, doesn't matter who you are, life happens. Okay, all of us have a heart that feels, that hurts, and we don't get to hold on to it though. Not if you want to live your destiny. You know, the woman and I, as we've done, um, as we've done this term, we've done wedding preparation, the bride, preparing the bride. One of the things that God spoke to me on that, he said, when you get to heaven, there's a lot of books in heaven, but two books particularly he brought my attention to, number one, the book of life. And when you give your life to Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. Heinrich, your name is written in the book of life. How cool is that? And when you get to heaven, that book's opened, Claire Hearn. Oh, yes. 1971. Yes, tick. Welcome in. Okay. And then there's another book, Judgment Day. Another book's opened. And this book says the scroll and the destiny of what you were born to fulfill here on earth. 2020, okay? We're meant to step into our destiny as a bride of Christ. And so that book is open, and you know what the book is judged on? What you did and didn't do. Okay? COVID might have brought up some stuff. Might have had some shaking. There might have been some fears. There might have been anxieties, okay? Do not let those hold you back from your destiny. God is giving us a clear, a clear pathway back to his presence and to live the fullness of what he born you to do. That's what he's calling us to do. And when we were um, doing the study of the Bride of Christ, we started to study in Brave about the Galilean wedding tradition. And I really love this. And uh, it's all about how this groom comes. And I'm a romantic. David, you've got some work to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm only teasing. He's good. He's good. He's good. But what happens, all about how this groom proposes to the bride. It's beautiful. And once the bride says yes, now she becomes the betrothed. She is no longer her own. She does not belong to herself anymore. The groom promises that he's going to go away, and he's going to go and prepare a place for her in his father's house. And he's going to come back, and when he does, he's going to take her to himself but she must be ready for his return. There's much to do. And this beautiful woman of God that, we came, that came to share a little bit of this around us, she said to us, this waiting period, which we are in right now, church, okay, it's a preparation period, but what she said stuck with me. She said the waiting was to reveal whether the bride was carrying something that belonged to another. It was very important that the bride presented herself pure and spotless. See, the important thing was she had to be dressed and ready. She never knew when the groom would appear. And the third thing is, upon this path, is the path back requires a new level of consecration. I believe God is raising a purity movement in his church. No more compromise. Church, don't come here on Sunday morning just to have someone else bless you, or so, whatever it is you come for. Come because you want to meet with the Most High God. And your heart is hungry, hungry for His presence. And you're saying, God, I am not doing this new season like I did the old, and I'm not carrying the old. Mark had a word of knowledge this morning, that backpack God wanted to take off you this morning. But you know what we can do with our backpacks? Hold on to them. And you know why we hold on to them? Because we're afraid of the new. We're afraid of being exposed. And I can tell you, the light in our sin will bring healing to your, your pain. It will. 
Don't keep things hidden. Don't tolerate shame. Speak, teach you to hold things in shadows. Let him bring his light and his healing to those places because I am telling you what happened for me, what happened for me was that God brought the deepest, deepest healing to my soul. I didn't even know what was happening. I didn't realize I was on the path back to him. But what he did was through the tears, through the pain, through being like the eagle, face the storm, let the emotion that comes up draw you to your knees, draw you to a place with such hunger for the things of God, a hunger for a breakthrough, a hunger to say, I am not staying the same, and you do not need someone to pray for you. I had no one praying for me. All I did was I started to pray the scripture. God created me a clean heart. Would you renew a right spirit within me? I want to be the bride wearing fine linen. I want to be the bride waiting in anticipation for, for the groom. I want to be ready. I want to have oil in my lamp burning bright, burning bright. You have to be willing to let God do the dealing, church. You have to be willing to. You see, David didn't stop there after he prayed that prayer. And I'm going to finish with this. David went on to have another son because we know his son died. And he has another son. He calls his son Solomon, which means peace. And Nathan, Nathan the prophet, comes back. I love that he comes back. We need that extra prophet, prophetic word about what's coming. He comes back and he says, I'm going to name this baby Jedediah. Oh, I need another grandson. I need a Jedediah. Do you know what Jedediah means? <laughs> I don't have any daughter-in-laws in here, do I? It's all up to you, kids. <laughs> Jedediah means loved of God. God restores David, heals his heart of rejection, blesses him with a son that, what does he do? He builds the tabernacle, which is a place for God to dwell in so that the people of Israel get to have an encounter with God. This is the future on the other side of the repentance and the brokenness. Okay, there's something on the other side of our consecration. You see, in this point in David's life, it was all about him. I'm going to be king. But from this moment, it became all about what was yet to come. It was all about the generation, the seed that would come through him. And it's the same for you in Psalm 51, the last little bit. Okay, as David realizes God didn't want his performance. God wanted his soft, broken heart. God doesn't want your performance as we walk back into church. He doesn't want you to look good on the outside. He wants you to be clean on the inside. And so David cries. This is what he says. He says, Lord, let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring me. Then I can show to other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are, and they will find their way home back to you. How good is that? See, the Lord delights to give you a new start after every failure. He delights to do that. Solomon's restoration. I mean, David's restoration was Solomon, and he built a place for God to dwell in. Our restoration is we become the place for God to dwell in. Don't you want that? Don't you want more of God? Don't you want to be the one where your shadow heals the sick because so much of God's inside of you? You see, so this prayer, and if you find yourself in this overwhelming place, as I did, because probably because you said yes to Jesus, probably because you said, yeah, okay, God, I give you permission. And then he takes you through the storm. But today I pray out of this house. We won't run from the storm. We're going to be like the eagle. We're going to spread our wings wide. We're going to use the emotions and we're going to say, God, would you purify me, create me a new heart? Would you use my life? Because this new season, he wants to use you. 
He wants to use you. This season's not about one person up here. It's about the church, the bride of Christ being ready. And he has given you fine linen. It came through the precious blood of Jesus. Now there's one more thing the Holy Spirit really wants to, to, to touch on, and that was what Mark said. Some of you think that you are unworthy. Some of you are still in that place of, I need to perform and I need to do better. Uh-uh. There's nothing I did to get the healing I received. Nothing I did. I just got on my knees. I prayed that you should see my, my, that scripture, you should see the words around it. It's just written in so many places where God said, and do this, and do this. This is the path back, church. It's found at the foot of the cross. It's a free gift of forgiveness. It's a free washing and cleansing, but you just got to give him permission. And when you do, that revival we sang about this morning, that revival is going to start in you. It's going to start in your life. There's going to be such a change in this house because something now flows through us. There's no hindrances. There's no blockages. It's a good place. So can I encourage you that if you do feel unworthy, just that's a lie from the devil. Okay, anything that is, is like that is like an accusation. God is saying, no, 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 that doesn't belong to you. Don't take it on. Don't take it on. There's much, much more. Today, will you turn your face in your pain to the only one that can heal you, the only one that can restore you? You know what he's going to do? He's going to infuse you with courage and strength. And he's going to remind you there's something on the other side of consecration when you give your whole life to Jesus. And I just know we're gearing up for something amazing in this house. Like, honestly, I just want you all to pray that prayer. Okay, I've got a box of tissues if you need it. You can put me on phone, on speed dial. I'll tell you that path is worth walking. It's a path back to intimacy. And you never want to miss that. You never want to miss that. So can I pray for you this morning as we finish? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. You never leave us in a place where we're lost. You never leave us in a place where we're broken. There's always something on the other side and you walk with us through the valleys. And I love that in Psalm 23, it says, on the other side of the valley was a cup that overflows, a head that's anointed with oil. And Father, I thank you that out of the crushing and out of the hard places all of us have been through, there's a fresh anointing coming to your church. There's a freshness coming upon us, Lord. There's a washing, there's a cleaning. There's a place where we step into the fullness of everything we were always created to be the very image of our Father. He is holy and so will we be because you have provided the garments for us to wear. So Father, I pray for those today that are struggling to see. I pray you'd open their eyes. I pray for those who are hurting and that pain seems too overwhelming that it feels and threatens to take them out. I pray that you would lift them up and you would carry them the rest of the path home. And I pray that, Lord, as we come through these places, there would be a shout of breakthrough. There'd be a shout of freedom. There'd be dancing in the streets because we have seen what our God can do and will do. And then all we want to do is go and tell everyone else the way home. We want to give them the pathway home. So, Jesus, I just pray a blessing on your church today. I pray that in this new season, they will arise different. And I pray that a new song would be upon their lips. In Jesus' name.